Hey, it's good to be with you again. Uh, I want to thank Carolyn for being with us today. And uh, Carolyn's been very faithful uh, to help with our church and be a part of our church for a long, extended period of time. So, Carolyn, thank, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to uh, deal with uh, principle number three is what we handled last time. We're going to bring that back up to you. And that is acknowledge the enemy, but keep your eyes on the Lord. And remember the challenge out of that is you walk because the high hand of God is on you. Today is principle number four, and it's just a one-word challenge. Uh, it's a one-word principle. <clears throat> it is pray. We're going to be looking at Exodus 14.10 today. And uh, before we handle that verse, I want, to, uh, I want to have a word of prayer with you. And just before I pray, I want to remind you about communion. It is something that we, as a spiritual discipline, we just ask you to take care of at your own home. Uh, we know people are doing that. I was blessed by having a dad tell me about his daughter traveling out of state. And she wanted to be able to see uh, our Facebook premiere and then made sure that the family she was going to had their communion together. And she was going to make sure that that's happened. Great leadership. I'm really proud of that young lady anyway. Uh, but it's, we're leaving it to you to have that ready for your family. And uh, we, we hope that you're participating in that every Sunday. Um, Exodus 14.10, let me read it to you. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, saw the Egyptians coming after them. Then the Israelites were terrified and cried out, cried out to the Lord for help. Let's, let's pray together. Father, help me to, to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit and your word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. Lord, if you prompt me with it, I do want to be obedient to speak to it. And out of everybody listening or in, in person at our services, I know that still I'm the one under a greater judgment, a more strict judgment because I'm a teacher of your word. I accept my place in rightly dividing it. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. I've got uh, a lot to do. I was teasing the staff we have a one-word uh, challenge and principle today, and that is uh, principle number four is pray. And we only have one verse to use out of Exodus 14. It's probably going to be my longest sermon. So uh, I've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry up with this. In, in Exodus 14.10, the Israelites are seeing the, the approach of Pharaoh and his army. They're looked up, they're, they see them coming after them. The pursuit is happening. They're trapped, seemingly, from a human perspective. They're trapped by the sea, by the mountains, and then by the pursuing Egyptian army. Remember, they're unarmed. They're slaves. Uh, they don't have any military training. They don't have any warfare training. And they also, by being the slaves of the Egyptian, have seen their power, their, their, their military power. It says in this verse, they're terrified, and they cry out. Your author of the book that we're going through says, uh, uh, this is a crisis prayer, and it is a prayer of help me or I'm going to perish, and it basically just boils down to, um, it, do I panic or do I pray? Because we actually see both in this verse. They're terrified, and then they cry out to the Lord. But which, which do I do? 
So we see both of them happening in verse 10. Please don't forget that recently they had seen the power of God, the 10 plagues of God uh, that have happened between Pharaoh and Moses and the people. They've seen God's power. But here's the, here's the part, how quickly we forget. How quickly we forget. I, I, am, I, am, I know in Scripture it, there is, it's just over and over in the Old and the New Testament. Remember, think, and don't forsake, which means don't forget uh, the things of God. How quickly we forget uh, what it is he has done. This is why I've often said to you, one of the greatest spiritual disciplines is for us to remember how God has been faithful to us. But they'd seen the 10 plagues, they'd seen God's power, and how quickly and how recently that happened that is, does it begin to flee. Here, here's something I know you'll connect with, with me, I certainly did. As the enemy approaches, it seems like the assurance flees. When the enemy approaches, it seems like assurance is gone. So what do I do, fight or flight? Do I run from it? Do I stand and fight? If I choose to fight, what do I fight with? You got to be careful that it's not worldly ways here with the Christian. One of the answers that you and I fight, that one of us push back is just with prayer. And prayer is a spiritual discipline, not just a format or a ritual that we go through. It really should be common to the Christian life. As a pastor, I'm constantly saying things over and over and over. Saying things. They may even be the same stories. But I do that because you don't get it. I, I don't do it because I don't have anything else to say. I, as a pastor, I'm going to constantly remind you of the basics. Because you'll forget the basics. You'll get so entangled with life, and life is going to get so entangled with you that you forget. And you're going to say, Pastor Jeff, I hear you say that all the time. I know I'm saying it all the time. I know it. I know I'm incredibly redundant, especially Julie and I are going on 27 years here. I know you've heard some of the same stuff, but you're still not doing it. Uh, I've got to reinforce that and emphasize those things. Prayer to the Christian should actually be a common avenue of life. I really shouldn't have to remind you to do that that much. It should be such a discipline in your life. Don't forget that you and I were made, we are meant for, and made to live in fellowship with God. We are made in his image. And when we sin, it separates us from God, which is why the enemy is constantly tempting you with sin. It's not because you're a bad person. It's because he doesn't want you in fellowship with God the Father. He wants to sever that. Sin separates us from God. It's not that hard, hard to figure out. You and I are made in the image of God. Satan is not made in the image of God. And I've got a personal belief here through all of my studies uh, academically and being a pastor. I think that's the wrong reason Satan hates us so much is that we're created in the image of God and he isn't. And so he wants to separate us from the fellowship of God and one reason we do that is uh, he does it with sin because he knows it does it. Listen, when you're in a sinful state, you're bitter, you're critical, 
you're you're judgmental, you're you're all those things, you're isolated, you'll end up saying, I won't go up there with all those hypocrites uh, and all those things. You'll say stuff like that. I go up there and don't get anything from it. Nobody pays any attention to me. It, I've heard it all. Promise you, I've heard it all. And all it is is when when you are tempted by sin and step into sin, it's going to disrupt the fellowship that you have with God, which is the enemy's intent to begin with. Now, he wants you in sin, but he wants you in sin for even his own personal reasons because it disconnects. You're going If you're feeling disconnected, you may need to look over and realize it could be because of sinful behavior because when we're doing that and we're living in it, it just breaks the fellowship. So I, I want to put you there. Remember... Remember that uh, prayer keeps that connected peace that we need with the Lord. It's just communication. Remember, Jesus taught the disciples to pray. That we often say how to pray. He taught them to pray, not just how to pray that we need to be doing that. Real quickly, uh, this is from my life and ministry, and I'm giving you uh, types of prayers here. And I've, I've kind of put them in my language, uh, even though you may put them in different categories and they're certainly not in any order. Um, they're very general here. There's devotional prayer uh, where we just spend time with the Father. You know, we spend time with Him in devotion and His Word. There's intercessory prayer where we're praying for other people. It's really, we're, we're just standing in the gap for them, so to speak. Uh, there's, there's healing prayer. Healing prayer. One of those healing prayers would be using 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And here it is. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I will heal, heal their land. Uh, I'm going to be real basic here. If you'll just take the front half of that, that's a whole lot of stuff for me and you to do. Uh, so you're going, man, why isn't the Lord healing our land? Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, are you humbling yourself? Are you praying? Are you seeking his face? In other words, we, we asked the question, how can I bring glory to God in this situation? A few sermons ago, two sermons, I believe. Um, and, and am I turning from my evil ways? Am I doing that? Uh, you're wanting God to answer that prayer. You want him to do it, but you're, you're wanting him to do the second half and you not do the front half. And prayer is right in the middle of every bit of that. Uh, there's searching or seeking prayer, like in the Psalms, God search me. Uh, there's begging prayer, crisis prayer. There's fasting prayer, which usually has to do with deliverance. There's forgiving prayer, which is confession and repentance there's petition prayer where I'm asking the Lord to meet my needs. There's persistent prayer. Uh, Paul would say, pray without ceasing here. The parable would be the persistent widow who keeps going back to the judge. There's persistent prayer. <clears throat> I wrote this one down. There's marker prayers, meaning that there are some places where you prayed and you know God answered it and it's just made those marker points in your life. And they can actually be places. I mean, places where you drive to uh, or you go to and places you might want to go back to just to remember. Nothing wrong with that. Um, there's, in the Gospels, there's closet prayers <clears throat> where we go and we meet with the Father 
and we meet with Him in secret. And then there's what I've termed Holy Spirit-driven prayers, meaning you're, you're awakened to pray for somebody or you're going through the day and there's, a, there's this highlight that you need to pray for these people and we pray for them in that moment. Why so much prayer? <clears throat> Why so much prayer? Well, here, here's, a, here's the answer, I think. If you're made in His image and you're made for continual fellowship with Him, what else would you expect? Um, as a pastor, I counsel people who are going through mar marital issues. I counsel with them before they're married. <clears throat> One of the topics, um, I'll just tell you when I'm counseling people, uh, before they're married, I'll just give you the topics. I talk to them about their spiritual life. I talk to them about their financial life and what living in covenant looks like with God in, in, in their finances. I teach communication with them. I teach them about sexuality. And this is the one they always laugh at. Maybe you'll get a kick out of it. I teach them about in-laws. Uh, that's the one where they all smile the biggest. That, that's always happened. And then there's a six point. It depends on if they're a blended family and they've got children from other marriages coming in. I, then I handle what a blended family may be able to look like. But in marriage, 34 years, number one problem, communication. It breaks down. We get busy. We've got yards to mow. We've got cars to fix. We've got jobs to fulfill. We've got kids to taxi. It's just constant, constant, constant. And uh, the, the problem comes down with communication. There's no continual learning, and there just needs to be a break. There's a breakdown that happens uh, where it's got to be intentional communication and learning how the other person communicates. And that, that alone is another sermon. Um, my cell phone, I, I try to keep it updated. Uh, I really didn't want to update it for uh, contact tracing, if you really want to know the truth about it, but I went ahead and did it anyway. Uh, so there's been, I, I figure, heck, if they're going, they'll find me, you know. So, I mean, I just went ahead and updated everything. Um, but my cell phone, depending on your updates, will occasionally let you know how much time you spend how much average time you spend on your phone. It'll just pop up like you spend so many hours a day on your phone. When that first happened to me, I went, wow. Because if you'd asked me that, I certainly would have given you that answer. Uh, and I, um, I am communicating, but I have to ask the question, with whom? And are they the most important? See, the enemy will tell you you don't have time. We all have the same amount of time, all of us. Uh, and not only that, uh, he, he'll even he'll probably even go this way and tell others to pray. I, I know he would. I, I know he would disconnect all prayer if he could. But not not pray not you pray to the Father. But why don't you just get other people to pray for you? Or we'll even just throw down in a thread on a post or whatever thoughts and prayers, uh, thinking that is the prayer when you and I know actually it isn't. That's just the that's just the thread line that you've given. I hope you fill it out. I hope you go and do that. But the, the, and if others are praying, great. But it's really intended for you. And it is intended for you to be in fellowship with God. Wouldn't you agree uh, that since he's made us in his image and for fellowship, that uh, prayer would be a constant and continual communication with him daily, several times a day, does it just in the common sense of being a follower of Christ, isn't that just natural? 
that we would be in communion. Let me say it to you this way. <clears throat> if uh, w- Would I have him on speed dial? Now, I know he's not going to answer it to your phone. I get it. Uh, but uh, w- in my life, in my life, do I have him on speed dial? I've said this often, again, being pastor, being redundant. He's a first responder, not a last resort. Seek him first and seek him often in prayer. We're connected with Missionary Church USA out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. They're a church planting and discipling organization, and we're connected with them. I get emails from him all the time, and the very first thing that pops up, and I love them about it, is it's, it's just the banner, pray first. Pray first. Recently, our son Andrew was looking at a house to buy in Lexington, and um, well, we were looking, even even put an offer on one, and I just just committed to prayer. His mom didn't feel good about it. His grandfather didn't feel good about it. Uh, asking me, you know, Dad, what would you do? And there's parts of me that would have gone either way. And Andrew, you need to pray. This is your decision. But we all felt like we needed to back out of the offer, and, and they were able to do that. They, they counter-offered, and we didn't go with it. My point was we believe that God answered us on his decision with prayer. Speaking of prayer, I want to give you a, I want to give you a quick story about a man named George Mueller. I've read his book several times. I'll get to the book in a moment. But I want to tell you about his life. He was German. He was Prussian. Uh, in uh, 1805 to 1898, he lived to be 92 years old. He saw the Great Awakening of 1859. Hundreds of thousands of people were saved. He influenced folks like D.L. Moody, whose ministry was in Chicago years ago. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, the British Baptist preacher, the great preacher. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary lived in Bristol, England, and he pastored the same church for 66 years. Isn't that incredible? Um, he ministered, his ministry included uh, several things, but mostly his heart were, was for orphans. He uh, created and cared for five orphanages, and in his lifetime, he, uh, he, he took care of 10,024 orphans. Uh, his work for Orphans even caused England to start caring for, or it, it influenced his country, and uh, to at least uh, where England was taking care of 100,000 orphans. Preached three times a week in those 66 years, tens of thousands of sermons, and I bet he said the same thing over and over, well you bet. Uh, traveled 42 countries, preaching once a day on all those trips. Remember we're in the 1800s, okay? Uh, read his Bible over 200 times, and you would say, well, I want my minister to do that. Well, I want you to do that too, okay? Commune with the Lord. Um, He never asked anyone for money, only the Father, and he did it in prayer. Millions of dollars came in for their kids, and he never took a salary from his church in those 66 years. There's a book that our team is going to put up on the screen for you called The Autobiography of George Mueller. And I would encourage you to get this book and to read it. It would be a great read through this pandemic. Uh, I want to give you two stories out of the book and just two because I could give you several. Two stories. Uh, one is uh, he had an orphanage for boys and uh, 
several boys in this in this building, and the the winter was cold, and their boiler had broken down. Remember, we're in the 1800s, and the boiler had was had brick around it, so it was a boiler, and it was enclosed in brick, and they needed to get it fixed, and so uh, George Mueller prayed over their boiler. And so a team came to work on it, and they worked on it late, and um, it was getting colder, and so he just prayed. He went off and prayed. He said, Lord, we pray to get it fixed, and would you pray that the men have a desire to work on it through the night and get it taken care of? And he said, I have one more thing to pray. It was a north wind, which meant it was cold. He said, would you change the wind from the north and move it from the south so that it would be warm? and my boys could sleep tonight. Well, the supervisor over the bowler team, fixing it, the repair team, came up and said, hey, listen, we've had to remove all these bricks and a lot to do, but listen, we just got together and we're gonna work on it all night long, answered a prayer. And then historically, they said that there was a change in the wind direction. It had switched from a north wind, which was cold, to a south wind, which was warm, so that the boys could sleep and, and not be too cold during the night. Uh, that's the person of George Mueller. Another story is that uh, they didn't have any food. And uh, they, I, th I think it was breakfast. Not, I can't really remember for sure. But it was, I think it was breakfast. And uh, he made the kids get ready uh, for breakfast. And there was no food. And uh, the helpers knew there was no food. And he said, set the table, set the plates, get them ready for breakfast. He went off and prayed. It wasn't long, to, there was a knock at the door. And uh, they had somebody make a milk delivery to them that was unexpected. And then there was another knock at the door and a produce truck had broken down right in front of the orphanage. And obviously there's no refrigeration uh, and so they had to get rid of it, and I, I think there was some bread and some other things. But anyway, uh, the food was provided for them. It's a great book, I'm going to tell you. It's a convicting book. We know Scripture is, but this story of this man is phenomenal. He was an ordinary man. He was rough growing up, pretty wild. He was saved. He became a man of prayer. He became a man of God. He learned to be able, not just how to pray, but remember to pray. We're gonna give you a website that's gonna come up on the screen called bless, blesseveryhome.com. Now you're gonna to have to look it up and it's gonna get your where you live. Like it, it I, I have it, I'm doing it. It's got people around my block and who I can pray for. And I don't want you to think we're stalking people because that's not what we're doing. It's public information. <laughs> Uh, and it's out there, and they've put it together. And every day it gives me a list of people in my subdivision to pray for. And I've started doing this just even recently. So I'm introducing this to you. You're going to be hearing more about it. Uh, but blesseveryhome.com is something you can begin to look at. Listen, pray first, pray often, pray continually, pray consistently, daily, multiple times a day, different times of the day different types of prayer of which I have given you. And uh, realize the truth of this. Israel saw the Egyptian army coming and they panicked, which means they forgot the assurance of God and they've just seen the 10 plagues. And then they prayed. I'm asking you to don't panic because if you don't panic, you're gonna realize the assurance of God. I'd rather have you there. 
okay? So don't panic and pray. Let's not panic because we know the assurance of God and then let's pray. Sometimes we even cry out to the Lord. Thanks for being a part of our service today. It was challenging to you. I hope it was, it was to me. And let's just pray, fervently pray, be driven by the Holy Spirit to pray and let's realize God is a first responder and not our last resort. Pray first. Grace and peace.